0: We have got to get STEM teachers in our elementary schools, and they need to be diverse. I don't know how to go about doing that because what STEM person is going to take a 75% cut in
1: pay to teach in an elementary school? Science, technology, engineering, and math are all great careers but they're also fills with additional barriers to entry for women, people of color, and other amazing members of our community who have been historically marginalized in STEM. I'm Dr. Pamela McCauley, and welcome to Stepping Up STEM. On this show, I'm having conversations with impactful and passionate leaders making a difference in STEM education, innovation, and entrepreneurship. My guest today, Laura Rogers, Cybersecurity Senior Manager at North Carolina Military Business Center, Laura also chairs the North Carolina Interagency Cybersecurity Coordinating Committee, and she has developed several cybersecurity tools for defense contractors that can be found at cybernc.us. Laura, my friend, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Well, it's just a pleasure to see you and hang out with you, and you're just amazing. I'm <laughs> so you. glad to have you here. So I just shared a whole bunch of stuff that Mm -hmm. you do. This is one person doing all of these things. And we know how important cybersecurity is. And we know that there aren't a lot of women, particularly leaders in cybersecurity, such as yourself. So tell us a little bit about how you got into cybersecurity.
0: Well, it's really kind of interesting. I am not a cybersecurity expert. I'm not an IT person. My background is in business and uh, strategic planning. And every job I've had at the big primes, Lockheed Martin, General Dynamics, I've Mm -hmm. somehow managed to get myself into compliance and quality management systems and implementing those. And I Mm -hmm. also worked with uh, the capability maturity model integration for software development. So. cool. A couple of years ago, two and a half years ago or so, when the uh, Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, CMMC, started coming out for defense contractors, and I took a look at the model, I was like, well, this is a quality management system Mm -hmm. and a maturity model for cybersecurity, and those are two things I know about. And I also realized, after having worked in industry and working with small businesses, There was no way they were going to do this by themselves. It's too Mm -hmm. hard, too expensive, and too confusing. And certainly nothing that is necessarily in their wheelhouse. Sure. And many of these small contractors don't even have IT folks in-house.
1: Most. Most. So
0: I decided that we had to help them. So I put together a white paper and submitted it to some state representatives and to Commerce and a few others at the Capitol. And my hope was to get a statewide strategy Mm -hmm. for cybersecurity because Mm -hmm. the defense industry is the second largest industry behind agriculture in the state. Now, it's way behind, but it is there, so it's significant. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to figure out a way to help them. Well, they didn't bite, so I was like, well, I guess we're on our own. My boss and I started the Interagency Cybersecurity Coordinating Committee, which going forward I will call I-3C because it's a mouthful.
1: Um, And we
0: have universities, NC State is on there, Okay, many universities, community colleges, and state agencies all kind of coming together to try to figure out how to solve this problem and to turn this problem into an opportunity for the state. Because truly, cybersecurity could be an economic development tool. It sure could. If we can secure the state, that's very attractive to business, to come into the state, a state that actually supports cybersecurity. So that's kind of the plan, and that's what we've been doing for oh, the that's past fascinating. Of years, and we're building an ecosystem. It's growing every day, and it's wow. very exciting, but we still could use some state oh,
1: support. That is great. See, you're a woman who means business, so I uh, <laughs> I see that state support coming. <laughs> so I understand you also work with small businesses. So yes. talk to us, us a little bit about what the work you do with small businesses.
0: Okay, so I do work with small businesses on cyber. I built some tools and uh, have the website, and I teach a class every week for small defense contractors to get them Tell us about speed the class. With cyber, I start from the very beginning. If a company has nothing in place, that's okay. what we assume, and how to revise their vision and their mission and embed cyber into the culture of their company, because cyber is not a person. And it's not a department. It's a value, just wow. like quality.
1: Can I just say this, how important that is, particularly for many businesses that want to do business with the federal government? Mm-hmm. So tell us, uh, continue more about the yeah. course.
0: So I work with them. I consult and I teach the class and I have my tools. And and I'm also working on building the ecosystem. And then the other part of my job is business development. And I, I'm kind of slowly getting out of that and you know more mm-hmm. into cyber. If companies are wanting to do business with the federal government, if they've been in business for a while, then I can help them understand what they have to do to become a federal contractor. And it, okay. it is very difficult to be a federal contractor, but it can be very lucrative. In 2020, there were, I think, $7.4 billion worth of prime contracts in North Carolina in federal contracting. Wow. It affects every single county in North Carolina. Um, So it can be lucrative. It's just that it's very difficult. So we help kind of sort of knock down some of those barriers because we know how to navigate Mm -hmm. it. And then help them If they get a request for proposal and they don't really understand, I teach a class on how to what you call shred an RFP. So you go through it line by
1: line and what is important and what's not and what you need to do. Oh, wow. I'm sure that helps reduce some of the intimidation.
0: It does because RFPs can be very intimidating. And then I teach a class on how to do market research and use the tools that the federal government has available that you can use to research your competition and look at what agency is buying what you sell and things like that. So uh, that I, is I do a fantastic. lot of work with small companies teaching them those things because they don't have the money to hire a business developer. And we're state-funded,
1: so they get my services free to them. That's exactly what was going next is how much does it cost? So these services are free? Yes, Yes. Do many people know about this? Well, we
0: try to get the word out. We have lots and lots of training on our website that we have done, especially during COVID. Everything went virtual. Okay. Is it still virtual? We just had our Defense Technology Symposium in person down in Fayetteville this week on Tuesday. I was down there for that. Okay. We had our flagship event, which is our Federal Construction and Infrastructure Summit in Wilmington in April. We had our medical biomedical event in Chapel Hill a couple of months ago so we're getting you back back. into yes and we're all over the place i spoke this past saturday at wake tech i mean we're everywhere it's just that there's so many companies out there it's very hard for them to all know
1: sure we're there but we've been in existence since 2005 wow yeah that is wonderful and for anyone who might be listening to this, what kind of company would be a good fit for coming to some of your training to try to get this kind of business?
0: Any kind of company. The federal government buys everything, yes, you know, from socks and underwear for soldiers and boots to weapon systems. And all of those require a supply chain. So even mm-hmm. though you may not prime a contract, We can help position you to subcontract as well. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, and I connect people to team. Okay. So, you know, I have a company right now that's wanting to team on a giant contract that's coming out. And it's a woman-owned business, and she's looking for teammates. So she and I work once a week, and we're together. Okay, who can we call? Who can we get? That's outstanding. Because she can't afford you know, mm-hmm. someone to do that kind of research and, right. and help her with that.
1: That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I think there are a lot of businesses who might want to go after federal contracts, but mm-hmm. there's the intimidation factor yes. and thinking this is so big, I can never do it. Mm-hmm. But to have a resource like you to be able to sit down with them and talk to them and then identify partners, I mean, that's priceless.
0: Well, it really, and we all have different capabilities on our team and we're from the West all the mm-hmm. way out to the coast. We're at okay. a variety of different community colleges. I'm at Wake Tech, RTP campus, and we all have different capabilities. And we have people who are uh, subject matter experts in different industries as well. Like okay. I am cyber, we have medical and construction and textiles. Okay. You know, all those awesome. kind of things. That so.
1: is so neat. And before we finish today, I want to make sure that people know how to get in touch with you. So let's say someone listening wants to get started. How would they get started in, in the this? federal
0: government? Yes. Well, for starters, they can't be a startup. Federal government will not, in general, do business with a startup because it's too high risk. Okay. Unless you are doing R and D for, particularly the DoD, and they're funding you through a grant. Okay. And it's real niche uh, type of a product or service that typically it's something that the warfighter needed yesterday. Those kind of things you can do as a startup. In general, everyone else needs to be in business for a few years. So the DOD has a warm fuzzy. The federal government has a warm fuzzy that you're going to stay in business and you know what Mm -hmm. you're doing. But the best thing to do if you want to be in the federal marketplace is to go to an organization called the GCAP, the Government Contracting Assistance Program and just GCAP. so
1: Government Contracting Assistance Assistance Program. Program. And they
0: will help get you, guide you through the basics. And we can too, Mm -hmm. but you have to get registered in the system for award management. There's a lot of regulation-type things you have to look at first. So I recommend checking with them, but you can also check with us. If I have the time, I'll help a company that's just wanting to get in If I don't, I typically refer them to the GCAP. But we generally work with companies kind of that are already in the space. Okay. And help them build.
1: Okay. It's so wonderful to hear about these resources because I do, I mean, I run into folks all the time who are interested in Mm -hmm. federal contracting. I've done it for for several years, but there really is that intimidation factor, but there is so much much help out there for you. So I want everyone to remember GCAP. And because if you, you can reach out to Laura, but also mm-hmm. really think about that GCAP. Uh, now, Laura, we had the most wonderful time when we first met mm-hmm. on that panel. Yes, <laughs> this that is a was... panel by North Carolina a State University. And so we were talking about diversity Mm -hmm. and many other things. And I was so impressed with your commitment to diversity. And talk to me about that. How did you get, I mean, I know obviously being a woman in cyber Mm -hmm. and there are very few, but talk to me a little bit about how you got so fired up about this.
0: Yeah. So in cyber, there's, I think, 74% are men. It's It's a kind of a tough nut to crack. And the story that I told you that it was a very... I don't know, a cathartic moment for me, I guess. I went to see the movie Hidden Figures. And the background on that is when I started my career in 1982, I was on the MX Missile, and then I moved on to Titan Missiles. So I was in cool. the aerospace so program, cool. okay? Mm-hmm. I go to see Hidden Figures, and I came out of the movie, and I literally couldn't see. All I could see were flashes of light. I guess that's how high my blood pressure had gotten I was so angry that I just felt like I couldn't function. And I thought to myself, I was in the space program. How is it that I didn't know about these women? And I am a firm believer in inspiration. I look to others for inspiration. I want to be able to inspire other people. And I think what gets me
1: about
0: that is we lost two generations of women who did not know that it was possible for them to do a a job like that. And that's gone forever. We cannot get that back. And that is a tragedy of epic proportions. It still makes me angry because not everyone grew up like I did with a strong mother and pushing me and pushing me. Some Mm. people need that inspiration and that to hang on to and know that those women did that and now I can do that, too.
1: Absolutely. If you don't
0: know that, right? if you don't see that, you might not do that. I
1: just am sickened by that. I just can't even believe it. And see, when you put it that way, I mean, that is so powerful because putting it that way helps us understand why. It's important today, too, mm-hmm. that we continue to put these role models yes. in front of young girls and young women. It still shocks me that today, today, In 2022, there are still girls who are wondering if they can have some of these careers. Yes. Three weeks ago, I was asked to do an opening little video to introduce engineering to a group of pre-college girls. And these were middle school and high school girls. Mm -hmm. And one of the folks wrote me a letter afterwards and said, you had some converts. One girl said, wow, maybe I really can be an engineer we're still having to convince them today but to your point if we had taken these opportunities generations ago it might not be as hard today
0: well it wouldn't be as hard and think where society might be We've all lost the so, solutions minds, exactly the brilliant yes. minds and the diversity of thought yes. preach to laura bring to the table how many problems could we have solved right by now had we just used the intellect, the brain power, and the creativity wow. of all these other people that weren't allowed at the table? I can't tell you how many times a day I look at my watch and go, what year is this? Right. <laughs> I mean, I do. Yes. I did it this morning. Yes. I was on a call, and I am <laughs> i didn't say anything to anybody, but I'm like, okay, what? what? Right. You know, I do that. Several times a day, I think. And it's like, wow. I can't, I just cannot believe that things are still like they are
1: right, in the year 2022. I agree. I was talking to some friends about this and saying, you know, how do we move this forward? Here we are, you and I out here, we're talking to businesses, trying to get more businesses to mm-hmm. find funds particularly women and people of color minority owned mm-hmm. businesses and then trying to get them in the pipeline from an educational standpoint I've been doing feel like I've been doing that my whole career then mm-hmm. you as you said awareness about you know what mm-hmm. you can do so how do we change it is it in the the media do we have more conversations like this i feel like we keep talking and sometimes we're talking to the same audience. Right,
0: it's a uh, echo
1: chamber. Right, right, right. Know. And so, you know, let's get out here into some of these rural communities mm-hmm. and talk to these young students. You know, let's go to the inner city. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're, it seems like, again, we're not reaching them. Right. But if we've got YouTube everywhere, do we need to put some more YouTube introduction to engineering right. out or more hidden figures? I mean, I'm so open for suggestions.
0: Here is one of my suggestions. And I, this is a theory on my part, But I really believe that we have to start when these young girls and boys are in elementary school. And I'm not here to bash anybody, but if you look at who teaches elementary school, it's typically liberal arts majors. Mm -hmm. Now, a liberal arts major is not going to get goosebumps when they're teaching math and science to these young children And I know this because I was there. I watched what happened with my kids, and they were fortunate to have a mother who pushed that. And again, I'm not bashing liberal arts. There's a place for that. But we have got to get STEM teachers in our elementary schools And they need to be diverse so that, you know, because I remember when they brought people in for career day, it was Mm. all straight white guys, right? Nothing wrong with that. It's just that, you know, it didn't resonate with me, certainly. But we have got to get that in our elementary schools. And I don't know how to go about doing that because what STEM person is going to take a 75% cut in pay to teach in an elementary school? Right. But if we don't do that... We are not going to embed that enthusiasm for STEM, particularly in girls, because we see that drop when they hit middle school. Middle school, school. that's a season. And part Mm -hmm. of that is hormones. And so my theory is if they can love math or love science, that will help bridge that stupid hormone years there (laughs) Um, and keep them focused. Right. On school and their future, they see something out there beyond school that they want to do, and maybe that will help keep them focused. Yeah, I mean
1: that's just the theory. I have nothing. No, well let that, me let it, me give you some information that supports your theory. NSF, the National Science Foundation, has what is called RATs, or Research Experiences for Teachers, mm-hmm. and it's designed to do just that—to get teachers engaged in STEM. And so, elementary, middle school, high school. Mm-hmm. But to your point, if we can take some of these elementary school teachers and then introduce them to research and STEM and get them enthusiastic about it, they're going to teach it a completely different way.
0: Yes, if they will be enthusiastic. Right.
1: But, you know, when I used to teach, I taught
0: for two years in middle school, and I would literally get goosebumps. Teaching a math mm-hmm. concept, and when yeah. I look out there and see the kids grasping it, or some science thing,
1: and I, was, I know isn't that such a cool feeling? All
0: the time, it's like, oh, Miss Rogers, you're such a nerd, <laughs> and I'm like, I know that, but I love it and I yes. own it, you know. And I would get excited. I had this one right. young lady who didn't think she could do a thing, derive a formula for a trapezoid, and I handed her my phone I said, "Call your parents wow. and tell them you just derived a formula for a trapezoid." And they won't even know what a trapezoid is, maybe. But,
1: right. But, but
0: imagine you know, how much that meant for yes. her. Yes. And what if we all were teaching like that? Right. You know, and that to be so excited about deriving a formula, you know, yes. and that's what we're missing that right. enthusiasm and that just those goosebump moments about mm-hmm. math and science. Yes,
1: and, and we need that. We do. We do. And when I think about some other resources that uh, maybe even you know we could share with other teachers. You know NASA has an amazing mm-hmm. resource library that teachers can use. And so I'll say sometimes if I go to an elementary school or talk at a career day that to teachers don't feel intimidated. And I say to parents, if you don't know it, it's okay. Mm -hmm. There are a number of resources out here. You may not be able to get goosebumps or give goosebumps, Mm -hmm. but you can go to NASA website and download some of these amazing videos, uh, exciting stories that Mm -hmm. they capture about science. So so NASA is just one, but I know theirs is is done especially well. And I'm also wanting people to reach out to me because I'm creating a resource list for small businesses resource mm. list for stem teachers. Oh, wow. So because that's I beautiful. think it's again so important mm-hmm. that the we talk to different audiences too. Yes. So and that's something that you have been working on. Now, you're doing so many things. Laura, what would you consider to be like one of the most important things that you're focused on now as it relates to either cybersecurity. I know you're doing work on your businesses and also a super star for diversity and inclusion. So thank you for that.
0: Thank you. My passion, because I'm a very patriotic person, you know, is national security. And so that's where the cyber comes in. That's why I'm kind of doing what I'm doing is to help defense contractors. Protect this information. And it's not classified, it's controlled, unclassified information. But yeah. when our adversaries get that, they can aggregate that data and find out what we're doing. Really? For example, China made an exact duplicate of our F 35 fighter jet with the design flaw in it. And so, no way. Yeah. And so, and a lot of the information wasn't classified, it's controlled, unclassified, meaning it's very sensitive. So, my philosophy when I talk to my defense contractors is. If China or Russia get your data, it's because they had to pry it out of your cold, dead hands. (laughs) You have got to protect this data. And so that is a real passion for me. Do some of them not realize how important that is? Well, it's one of those things where you can't see it. You know how you can visualize someone breaking into your home, plundering your house, stealing your stuff, right? Well, for a lot of us, cyber is very abstract, you know and it's like how are they getting in there and i don't get it and mm-hmm. and surely to goodness my data can't be i'm just one of the hundreds of thousands of companies why would they be interested in my data and it's very very expensive and so you know a ceo is looking at competing priorities and doing some risk analysis and thinking well i may just have to risk that but When it comes to defense contracting, you can't. There's a regulation there, and it says you have to protect this data, and here is how you have to do it. Here is the standard that you have to use. And unfortunately, the Department of Defense kind of kicked the can down the road for a very long time and didn't really hold defense contractors' feet to the fire. And when they didn't do that, the assumption on the part of the defense contractors was, well, the feds aren't really serious about this, so why should I be? And they weren't. And so now we've hit critical mass. And this is, you know, what we always have to do. We've got to learn the hard way. And now it's urgent, important, critical, everything. We've got to get it done. That's like trying to pull a rusty locomotive is -hmm. what it is. And so that's what I feel like I'm doing every day is pulling a rusty locomotive and getting people To the awareness first. Right. Okay, we've got a problem. Now, what do I do? All right, here's what you have to do. Again, the expense is, is prohibitive and it's going to put some companies either out of business or out of the defense industrial base because they can't afford it. And the DIB, the defense industrial base, has already shrunk over 40%. Really? Yeah, since the Cold War was over. Okay. And so we're losing these small businesses every day. So I love small business because it's the backbone of this country. It sure is. Um, And so I don't want them going. So that's why I teach my class every week. It's like, come on, guys, we got to get this done. So that you can still put food on your table. Right.
1: Oh, that's so sad. Um, Well, again, thank you for everything that you're doing because it's so important that we do everything we can to support and sustain our small businesses. Yes. But uh, this cybersecurity, I mean, this is no joke. No, it is not a joke. It is huge. It's just hard to convince people. Right. And how has the high degree of connectivity that we have now, how has that impacted the need to be even more secure?
0: Well, if you think about, you know, we have more devices than we have people. And every device is represents a vulnerability. With TikTok now, I I'm the family cyber person. So I blast it out to every single person in my family, get your teenagers off of TikTok. Wow. Because China's taking the data. They can get in there and take all kinds of data out of that. Get out of here. Yes. So that who knows that, right? Um,
1: I did you know, not. Yeah. So, include me on the family blast from yeah, now Yeah, <laughs> I
0: will do that. I'll just blast it out. Now, I, I have a group on my Mobilize platform that I, I sent it out. I said, everybody off TikTok yesterday. Nobody wow. on TikTok. Nobody on this. Nobody on this. You know, there are new threats every day. And that's one of the things that I think companies find so overwhelming is if a large company that's supposedly savvy gets hacked. How am I supposed to prevent it as a small little mom and pop? And I think some of that is like, you know, why should I even bother? And it's like whack-a-mole and or plug in the dike. You know, you hit one and three more threats pop up because those folks, that's all they do. China has more cyber warriors than we have active duty uh, Marines. And so they are constantly bombarding bombarding, bombarding, and they're going to find a way in. So you can be as secure as, as possible to be, at least in today's, what we know, and they're finding out tomorrow's things.
1: Right. Um, and because this morning, it's funny, we're talking about this. I thought my credit card had been hacked with my credit union. So I called them, but what happened, I connected it to an external account And so it was giving me notices on what was going on with my external account. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, well, darn, I don't know if I want this much connectivity because if somebody got into that account, then they have access to my other account.
0: Yes. This connected world that we're in, while it's convenient and it's really kind of cool, we all love the technology, has put us at a very high risk. I will never have a smart home.
1: I, that was another thing I was you yes. never
0: have a smart home. And the problem is that security is not really embedded into products because they, mm-hmm. not really. I mean what's happened is and even the national cyber director Chris Inglis, and they finally got one at the you know national level, has said we have pushed you know security down to the lowest level, the small business and the individual who knows zero about it. Because instead of—it's Im- just like I was talking earlier about quality. We used to inspect quality into a product, believe it or not, back in the day. And we learned that you have to engineer quality into a product. There you go. Well, now we're slapping cyber on at the end when cyber needed to be engineered
1: and manufactured
0: go. into that right. product. So I keep harping on that to all the innovators oh, that's that I powerful. work with— You know, and my son is learning to code and I'm like, you better be putting security in that code (laughs) Um, because I can't stand the thought of any more products or services coming out there and expecting some mom and pop to understand how oh. to secure it.
1: No, that's such a good point. It's just crazy, but we have a long way to go. Now. Wow. Well, I am thankful that you are on the front lines. <laughs> well, for, okay. <laughs> thank you. We need you I out there doing it e- even more. So now, if someone who wants to connect with you, uh, Laura, how might they reach you?
0: The easiest way is to go to NCMBC which is NorthCarolinaMilitaryBusinessCenter.us. Okay. And there is a Contact Us tab. Okay, can click on that, and that has all of us on there. It has my phone number and my email address. And that's happy to field any questions or awesome. know, anybody needs any help. I'm happy to help them.
1: Well, we are so grateful for all that you're doing. Well, Seriously, you. as a nation as a state. Okay. And just as a fellow small business person and educator, just thank you for, cause you are doing the work of about five or six women. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again for joining us today, Laura. And thanks to everyone for listening. I'm Dr. Pamela McCauley, and I look forward to talking with you next time.